With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your baseball is being played in a pandemic, but there are still no hitters home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. My name is Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs, uh, no hitters, at least today, and baseball for Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi, guys. Andy Cruz Vanasek and holy sports yesterday. What a fantastic day. So excited to talk about all things Alec Mills and the Chicago Cubs winning the series against the Brewers. Yeah, that was fun, right? <laughs> I mean, there were so many things happening yesterday. If anybody looked at my Twitter, you saw my setup that I was rocking with. It was a little overwhelming, but baseball, football, thank you, sports guys. It was a good day. I mean, I was worried about you at first. I'm not going to lie, because the Bears sounded like they were going to be the classic Bears. I don't um, know. I wasn't watching the Bears game. Sarah. I I just know you. Like, my entire timeline was filled with people who were like straight up freaking out about the Bears game. And I was like, y'all are watching the wrong thing. <laughs> Listen, the Bears went ahead and bared up until about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then they decided to play a game. So thankfully, they had plenty of time to do with not plenty, but they it came down to the wire, but they did what they they needed to do in, in the right amount of time. But we're not here to talk about that because I had both games on, my dear friend. Please, <laughs> please know this is always what happens at my house on a Sunday as long as there's both sports playing. Thank goodness there's not basketball right now, too, because that would have just been crazy. But um, I mean, there is basketball, but not if you're a Chicago Bulls fan. So, yes, the baseball was stole the show from the Chicago Bears, and I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we can just start with the Mills no-hitter, although I do want to go back and look at this series because the series feels like 17 innings of baseball that went the Brewers' way and 10 innings of baseball that went the Cubs' way. (laughs) So I do want to talk about that. But first, we can start with the no-hitter. I mean, Alec Mills, college walk-on, 22nd round draft pick, DFA'd by the Royals, guy who was supposed to be like hanging out in the bullpen in 2019. And I will say I was early on the Alec Mills train because in those games in late September when he was starting because Cole Hamels was hurt, I just remember he wasn't winning a lot, but he was pitching really well. And so last December when I was doing the 12 Days of Cubs Miss, I actually wrote a piece about how I thought Alec Mills had basically gotten himself a shot at the fifth starter role. And then that kind of promptly went away. We talked a little bit about the competition for the starting rotation in spring training before the entire world shut down. And that conversation just kind of like ebbed a bit because we had more important things to talk about. But I feel pretty good about that prediction right now. <laughs> um, 
a hundred percent you should. I mean, let's just let's just do a quick recap of where Alex Mil- Alec Mills has been in his career. Six hundred and forty nine minor league innings. Six hundred and forty nine minor league innings. This was his fifteenth major league start. I mean, what an incredible story. This man has worked his butt off to be where he's at. Obviously, the walk on that you mentioned. I mean, it just phenomenal. And I will say. uh, I read somewhere that apparently he joked with Kyle Hendricks that he was going to outdo him on Sunday. And if Kyle Hendricks is a professor, Alec Mills just became the Dean. I, and I'm, (laughs) I, I took that from somebody. I definitely read that on Twitter, but I mean, come on, you guys, that was just, it was phenomenal. And of all the pitchers on this roster for the 2020 Chicago Cubs, Alec Mills would have been my last pick for a no hitter, but good on him. Like, I'm sorry, but he just brought another level of pumped up to to my life. I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'm running through walls today. <laughs> uh, I think on Bleed Cubby Blue last night in the game thread, they were saying that he's been promoted from adjunct professor to assistant professor or associate professor. I don't even know. Somebody came in and they were like trying to correct the levels. So if you're a professor and you listen to the show and you're sad that we don't know which order it goes in, I apologize, but we don't. Um, however, <laughs> I feel bad because I, I have some friends who are professors and they're probably like, Sarah, are you serious right now? And yes, I'm serious. I have no idea. I, I know there's tenure at some point and when you retire after you've been a professor for a really long time, they say emeritus and I, I don't know. That's all I know. Um, whatever. Alec Mills had it going yesterday, although I thought the most interesting stat about this no-hitter was honestly how improbable it was. So the Brewers had 11 baseballs that they hit that were so hard hit that the chance of all of those balls not becoming hits was basically 0.7% or 0.07%. I mean, it's like this tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of a fraction that none of those balls would drop for hits. And some of them you probably like remember off the top of your head, the ball that Hap chased down in center was a candidate for a hit. There were a couple of balls hit at Javier Baez that really are hits most of the time. And between the defense and Mills just staying cool and having a great game plan, none of those balls dropped, not one. I mean, there was a really close play that was like almost an infield single that Javier Baez just like nailed the throw on. It was like the closest of close plays. And I looked back at that one after the game and I was like, oh my God, that is literally like split second ball hits the back of Rizzo's glove, foot hits the base. Shoo. Uh, definitely one that I went back and looked at because let's be honest, Alec Mills threw a heck of a game. I mean, he definitely was just cool, calm and collected, was silently dominating the strike zone. I mean, just fantastic. But without the defense that was played yesterday and without Caratini behind the plate calling that game, I mean, these are all things that have to come together to make a no-hitter happen. They have to they have to work. I mean, that's just the way it is. And and like one other thing I read that I thought was so touching and this was something apparently Alec Mills became very emotional about was, you know, this was a thrashing. It was 10 to nothing going into what the 8 and it ended up being 12 to nothing. So obviously the Cubs had had scored their runs. They had gotten their offense, you know, to show up in a big way. But of course, in, in situations like that, you want to give your starters some sort of rest if you can. An extended rest, put some, get some guys in. 
and Jason Hayward basically refused. He's like, nope, I, I need to be in there for Alec. I want to make sure and see this thing through for him and, you know, keep me out there. And Alec Mills was told that later and he got real emotional about it. He's like, you know, that's my guy. He was one of the first guys that came up and, and greeted me when I first came to this team. And, you know, so that means a lot. That was a big thing for me to know. So like stuff like that, that all has to come together and work for these no hitters to happen. And I'm so thankful that, you know, Alec Mills was, was able to know that that was the situation and, and his teammates were behind him. Well, and Jason Hayward is just such a leader on this team. And I mean, we talk about Rizzo a lot. We talk about Wilson Contreras and Javier Baez a lot. We talk about Kyle Schwarber a lot. I feel like Jason Hayward has really been the quiet leader and voice in the clubhouse for a long time. And this year that has just become more apparent in every possible way. It's become apparent in terms of the team culture. It's become apparent in terms of stuff that's going on off the field. It's become apparent in terms of things like this decision to not leave the game while Mills has a no hitter on because he knows he's the best defender in right field. And he wants to make sure that Mills has a shot, has the best shot possible at a no hitter. And look, Jason Hayward, even if he was still just grounding into four, three double plays all the time, would still be a leader on this team would still be worth every penny of that contract for the speech that he gave the defense he has and like the leadership he brings to this team daily. But he is actually having a great season at the plate right now, too, as evidenced by breaking the game wide open in game two and hitting a home run off Josh freaking Hader. I mean, y'all already know how I feel about Jason Hayward, but Saturday was like, I feel like we had angry baseball gods for enough time that we had kind of paid our dues. And that was kind of like the pivotal point of this season that hopefully we look back and see that that is where this team really jump-started everything, kind of came together and made a really good, strong push through the playoffs. I mean, I, w- I would love for that to be the case. I would love for me to be right about that. It, it was such a, I mean, such a, a, a non-thing to happen. Like you just, you were just kind of like, I saw Josh Hader come in and I was like, ah, man, <laughs> like really wanted to see this offense kick up somehow. And, you know, not that I was doubting my Cubs because of course I'm not going to turn the channel until the last out, but it was just one of those things where you're like, Josh Hader's one of the best in the game. One of the best in the game. Up until that inning, he had given up two hits the entire season. Two hits. That's it. That's all the hits he had given up. And the Cubs came back and had, what, four hits? Had four hits against him that inning? Yeah, something like that. Or like a walk and three hits in a row or something. It was. It might have been four in a row. Um, all I know is there were back-to-back home runs and I owed Vargas an apology, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Continue talking about Josh Hader imploding, please. Yeah, you definitely – we definitely need to talk about that. But listen – I was just, it was such a, a, first of all, you have to think about what even set Jason Hayward up to have the opportunity to hit a three-run home run. You had Javi Baez, who was 0-4. He ended up with a single. You had um, uh, Anthony Rizzo, who who has been struggling a little bit, but, you know, a guy that comes through. 
hits another single. I mean, Baez ends up at third. Billy Hamilton on on first. And you're like, of course he's going to steal because we got to take ourselves out of the, the double play. And like right when when Len was talking about that was when Jason Hayward decided to take things into his own hands and just went ahead and and got us on the board in a major way. And talk about, I mean, the rush of that happening and like going back and watching it several times. I honestly didn't think that this season, you know how we kind of look back at Bodie's Grand Slam and the bottom of the ninth against the Nationals as like a huge moment in the season and something that you'll never forget when you saw it and when it happened, that sort of thing. I feel like that was this home run for this season. And I really hope I'm right. I really hope that's something that we look back on and say, you know, Jason Hayward pretty much took this entire season under his wing and said, no worries, guys, I got you. And, and has pretty much been the one consistent player on this team throughout. And I'm all about that. Like sign me up. I am number one fan status. I will drive the bus if you need me to. This guy is the real deal. I mean, he showed us that season in, season out in other aspects, but now he's showing up with the bat. So I would really like everyone that ever turned their back on him because he struggled at the plate or he was not who he needed to be at the plate to just go ahead and eat crow because this dude is it. He's, I mean, seriously, love, love what he has done for this team and he just continues to do it. Yeah, totally. It's it's funny as you were saying that about like season changing moments and everything. I was like, oh, Andy, you're previewing my piece for this afternoon because that's what I started writing last night when I was sort of thinking of all of this. But really, the season feels tremendously different from the moment Jason Hayward hit that home run until now. Like prior to that, I was having this same. I mean, we talked about it on the last podcast. The title of the last podcast was something like, will the real Cubs offense please stand up or whatever. It's like, it felt like they were not going to be able to get it done and just not be able to bring it together. Ian Happ, who has been like the one Cub who has not struggled all year, was struggling. Cameron Maben is pulled from the lineup. You're just kind of like, oh, what is going on? Can this team like get on a run? And then they did. They just did. Like, and it was beautiful to watch them turn that on. A couple other notes from the game that I want to talk about that got buried by, and and like rightfully so, but buried by the no-hitter lead. Can we talk about Javier Baez running the bases and how you should never sleep on Javi Baez? Well, okay. So I think the last podcast, and I had to like break this down for my husband. I think the last podcast, I made a comment or I kind of went in on how Javi makes a dynamic play in the field that's going to carry over to the plate or vice versa. I feel like I kind of like, I didn't obviously bring that to fruition, but I think we kind of saw that happen during the series. Like, I feel like the real Javi kind of came back this series and you saw him smile. You saw him doing his crazy stuff on the bases, which is very Javi-like. He made a couple huge defensive plays yesterday that saved hits. I mean, he was having good at bats and. It was just, it was very, very refreshing to see him back. Not only to see him back doing hobby things, but to see his, a smile, to see him kind of have a different swag about him now, like a little bit more confidence. And we definitely need him to pick that up if, if we're going to make a, a long run into the playoffs or, you know, even have some good momentum going into the playoffs. Totally. I, I also just like, I don't know that I've ever seen uh player and I'll set up the play for those of you who don't remember it but you know early on 
in the game, the Cubs have runners at second and third. Javi is at second. Schwarber is at third. Kipnis comes up, hits a sack fly. Schwarber scores. Javi tags and goes to third like you do, right? Um, the play, Brewers player at third, I think it was Arcia. It might have been like a shift situation or something, but that feels right to me. Decides to throw to second to make sure that Javi touched the bag at second. And Javi just decides to come home. <laughs> it's like, go ahead and check it and comes home. The umpires are like, yeah, he definitely left after the catch. So that's a run. And Craig Council gets ejected. And I was just like, it was so cool because you just don't see players take advantage of those types of situations. Like turning the, we're going to check to make sure you didn't leave second too early play into a scoring opportunity is such a Javier Baez thing to do. I mean, completely. And if you think about it too, like I just always, I don't know, I guess I just always visualize or picture or assume that a defender is going to call time after a play like that. Like you just, you know, it's just something that's kind of like just happens. You know what I mean? Like it's in a given, a given assumed thing. So when it didn't happen, I was very aware of it, which I was surprised because obviously if you saw my setup, I had three different screens going on at once, but I was very aware that this was happening and kind of saw Javi turn the, ba- turn the base and not go back to the bag. I mean, the ball kind of dribbled away from Sogard and, and Javi kind of scooted off the bag a little bit. And I was like, Oh, he's scoring. He's going. And my husband is like, he's going, he's going. I'm like, oh my God, he's really going. <laughs> like, it, was, it was so great. I'm like, oh gosh, I love seeing him do things like that. And you know, it really, I think it, it really sets the tone for his team too. You know, when he does things like that, because he is truly magical on the bases, like just makes things happen and just kind of pulled a run out of nowhere for that. And not, you know, I, it wasn't obviously a needed run because we had a no hitter going at the time, but just the fact that you do things like that, you're so heads up and so aware of what's going on around you. I think it really like ups the level of everyone's game around him. And I I love that. I love that he brings that to the table. I love that he's brought that back to the table. Yeah. I feel like that's something he's done before. We've seen Javi do like incredible things like this before, but it was just, I haven't seen a lot of that this season. I haven't seen that Javi in 2020. And so it was nice to see him make an appearance in Milwaukee, here's hoping that he's here for the duration. We basically need him through the rest of September and hopefully well into November. Um, the only other note that I want to make sure we talk about while we're chit-chatting here is the suitor like somersault, not a bop because there were no runners on, but like also hilarious. And I wish there had been a runner on because it would have been the best bop of all time. Oh, God. There's way too many things that, like, overshadowed that, but that was fantastic. And the fact that we could hear both dugouts just screaming (laughs) wildly about this was just even better because, like, the Cubs, I'm pretty sure they showed the dugout, like, at the next half inning, and they were still laughing about it. I mean, I'm I'm still laughing about it. It's like, (laughs) days later, and I'm laughing. (laughs) Oh, it's just so great. And the best was when they panned to him in the dugout talking to his teammates and he was replaying it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure the visual of that is not going to leave anybody's mind for a long time. Like that's, that's in there for a while. That was a good one. That was pretty funny. And for everybody who came into my Twitter mentions, it was like, I thought I was a tough scorer because I only gave it a 9.5. I was literally a teacher and I have a high bar for 100% y'all. So just had oh, to like tap yeah. that out a little bit. I thought a 9.5 was pretty high because, yeah, it would have been way better if it was like like a 
a Josh Hader or like there was runners on base. It would have been even better had there been a runner on third because <laughs> we could watch we could watch like a Javi Baez trot into home just laughing and shaking his head because I can get that visual. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Uh, Last note on the no-hitter before we move on to where the standings are before the Cubs face the Indians for two games. I find it hysterical that the only two hitters in the history of Miller Park have been thrown by Cubs pitchers. And admittedly, they're not both against the Brewers, so it's it's a little bit like funny in that sense too. But if y'all remember, Carlos Zambrano in 2008, almost to the day, Actually, I think the anniversary of that is like today or tomorrow. It's today. It's today. Yeah. 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 Almost to the day in 2008, through a no-hitter against the Astros when the Cubs-Astros game got moved because of a hurricane. And then Alec Mills goes in and throws a no-hitter. No Brewer pitcher has ever thrown a no-hitter at Miller Park. No other team has ever thrown a no-hitter at Miller Park. And I would just like to say, if there's ever been stronger evidence that that truly is Wrigley North, this is it. <laughs> I mean, how bad do you feel being a Milwaukee Brewer right now, knowing that as um, one of our friends, Sarah, posted on Twitter this morning, Christian Yelich was laughing about how no one needed help to face you, Darvish, but then y'all just got no hit by Alec Mills at home, (laughs) a Chicago club, like, hello, (laughs) it's just, oh my gosh, it's so great to me. So great. Like, guys, could you go ahead and pick up the pace a little bit? Maybe match our no-hitters in your park? Like, come on, man. <laughs> okay. We'll we'll stop the trash talk for a little bit. Um, but really, I, I just – I love that. I love that there are two no-hitters in the last 15 years at Miller Park, and they both belong to the Chicago Cubs. Can I uh, – uh, I, I just yeah. want to say, I, I will stop the trash talk because I need to be a Milwaukee fan this week and I need them to take a couple games from St. Louis. So yes, I'm stopping the trash talk about Milwaukee. Sorry, beat the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, we're, that's where I was going next. So let's just do it. Um, in the NL Central, the Cubs have finally, finally, people, they have finally added another game to their first place lead. So they are four games up on the Cardinals. The Cubs are 28 and 20. The Cardinals are 20 and 20. Obviously, like the win column and the loss column matter a lot here, which which gets to what Andy was just talking about. We'll go back to that in a second. The Brewers are 20 and 24. The Cubs pulling out those last two games really kind of put their foot on the neck of the Brewers season. They, everything is riding on what they can do against the Cardinals right now. The Reds are 21 and 26 and the Pirates are 14 and 30. Uh, I, I think it looks like a foregone conclusion that the Cubs and some combination of the Cardinals, Brewers, Reds will be the teams representing the NL Central in the postseason. I, I'm pretty skeptical that they're going to get a third wild card based on what we see in the other divisions. But Andy, you were talking about the series the Brewers have coming up next, so continue. Uh, yeah, they played five against St. Louis this week. And, you know, it just... I said this probably the last four or five episodes because it's going to come down to this. It just bothers me a little bit that the St. Louis Cardinals have so much power in their hands right now because of the fact that they were not playing baseball for like 12 or 15 days, however many days. And now they have all these games right at the end of the season that they have to win. So they can make a lot of jumps without the Cubs doing anything. And, but they can also lose a lot of ground too. So you know, that's definitely something to keep your eye on. I hate recommending scoreboard watching. I hate it. 
it's not something that I promote. But because this is such a weird season and the setup of the schedule is so different between what the Cubs have and what the Cardinals slash Brewers have, especially this week, it's definitely, you know, I mean, we could look up at the end of the week on Thursday when we have another off day and the Cardinals are playing another doubleheader or whatever it is they're doing, triple header. I mean, who the heck knows at this point? And we could look up and only have like a one and a half game lead. So I'm not saying to panic. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. The Cubs hopefully will continue to take care of their business where they need to and win the winnable games. But it's also something to keep an eye on and realize that, you know, we are, I don't want to say we're getting punished because the Cardinals have to squeeze all these games in, but I just feel like we're at the mercy of their schedule and kind of like whatever they decide to do, if they decide to win a bunch of games, you know, that's, that's going to apply a little pressure to where we're at. So we need to continue to win winnable games and beat beatable teams, which if you look at our schedule, we should be able to do um, up until the last weekend of the season, which will be extremely interesting. I mean, I'm going to scoreboard watch and I don't have a husband who's a Cardinals fan. So it's not like I have any reason to watch the Cardinals on a daily basis other than when it affects the Cubs. Uh, The Cardinals and Brewers will play a doubleheader tonight, Monday night. That doubleheader, the first game will be started uh, for the Cardinals by Kwang Young Kim and the Brewers by Josh Lindblom. The second game will be Daniel Ponce de Leon and Corbin Burns. They will play a normal nine inning game on Tuesday that Jack Flaherty and Brett Anderson will square off for. Although y'all know that Anderson got pulled from his start against the Cubs. That's apparently been like a thing. So it's possible that somebody other than Anderson might have to start that game. And then they will play a second seven inning doubleheader on Wednesday. Uh, The only pitcher listed for that right now is Adam Wainwright for the opener. I mean, in my ideal world, I think the Brewers win three of these games and the Cardinals win two. I think that sets the Cubs up best. Exactly. That is actually, that would be perfect because you're pretty much looking at them splitting it down the, down the middle, which is fine. You know, that still gives us a a decent lead in the division and makes it so that, you know, the two of them division foes are, are kind of, you know, beaten on each other, if you will. So yeah, I mean, that's, that would be the ideal situation. Um, And don't, you know, I mean, I, I, I won't be afraid to root for somebody in these games. I don't know who I haven't really decided yet. I think it'll probably go Milwaukee, St. Louis, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Milwaukee. (laughs) But I mean, you know, yeah, like you said, you can't be, you're not going to, you're not going to be scared to scoreboard watch at this point in the season, especially when there's so many games and the Cubs are literally playing two games while they're playing five. So. Right. Meanwhile, the Pirates and Reds will play four games against each other. And frankly, Everybody is a Pirates fan for those games because the Reds pitching, despite the fact that the Reds have like not been able to get it together for long stretches of time during the 2020 season, their pitching still scares me, right? Like they still have Sonny Gray. They still have Trevor Bauer. I still don't want to see the Reds in a wild card game series. Oh yeah, for sure. Not for sure. Not, especially because you know, they're throwing somebody like Trevor Bauer and really do we want to, you know, trend his name again or have to listen to the nonsense spewing from his face. Yeah, no, I don't really want to. I'm good with just go ahead and worrying about the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals. So Pittsburgh, you're going to have to go ahead and take care of business this series. And then a last schedule note before we take a quick break and then we'll talk about the Indians preview on the flip side. You know, the Cubs have zero games left against the Brewers, Cardinals or Reds. That's it. Like, so part of the reason I think, Andy, that you're saying it feels like this is out of the Cubs' hands 
because they don't have any head-to-head games with anybody who could theoretically threaten them in the Central right now. All of that is going to take place on other people's schedules, and the Cubs just have to win win the games they have. And for the record, that will be a two-game series against the Indians, a three-game series against the Twins, four games against the Pirates, and then closing it out with three games against the White Sox. And that is the entire season. We're done. (laughs) I mean, it's so sad. It makes me so sad that we're already where we're at. I am very excited about the playoffs, but I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm kind of I'm being a little reserved about that, I guess, just because I mean, the season is just so strange. Who knows what happens, you know? It's just the, the baseball gods are kind of toying with our emotions, which is fine. You don't want it to be predictable. It's not is it I mean, yes, it's fun to be dominant and win all your games and blah 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 blah. But is that really what's going to happen? No, of course not. And you just feel like this season it, it there's been so many ups and downs and twists and turns and anything can happen. And, you know, as far as COVID is concerned, which we haven't really had to speak about a whole lot recently, let's get them in the bubbles and then, you know, we'll worry about playoff baseball. Absolutely. I'm laughing because our friend Chris from the Turn of Hair podcast just tweeted, imagine throwing a 66 mile per hour curveball 20% of the time in a no hitter. And I can't imagine it. It was beautiful. I might watch it again later today while I'm doing some work. (laughs) (laughs) So crazy. So crazy. Uh, While you're thinking about throwing a 66 mile per hour curveball 20% of the time in a no hitter, here are a few quick words from our sponsors. We'll be back on the flip side with everything you need to know about this upcoming series between the Cubs and the Indians. We are back. So the Cubs are still in the driver's seat, even though they don't have a lot of games against the other teams in the division who could impact their destiny a little bit, just solely by the basis of having the least number of losses. Um, So that 20 in the loss column being the same as the Cardinals 20 means that the Cubs do control their own destiny to some point. They can just win out and not have to worry about the Cardinals. But first they have to get through the Cleveland Indians. And I don't know how much people have been paying attention to the AL Central, but there is a real three-way race going on there between the White Sox, who have just gone on a tear to go 8-2 and two and take first place in the division, the Indians and the Twins, who are really slugging it out for second and third. The Twins are currently 30-18. and 18. The Indians are tw- right behind them at 26-21. and 21. They're fighting for a wild card spot with the Yankees of all teams. Uh, Andy, what do you see from this Indian series, like from a broad perspective? What are you looking for? Well, this is a team that has gone three and seven in their last 10. So definitely have cooled off quite a bit if there was any amount of, of, heat going on with them, so to speak. So you definitely look for them to try and and bounce out of this, you know, try and and make a run for any kind of division hope to make the playoffs. And you don't want it to be against our guys. We got you Darvish going and John Lester against Carlos um, Carrasco and Aaron. Is it Savale? Savale, I guess. I don't know how to say it. I actually... I thought I was hoping you knew how to say it. No, so I don't know if, what it is. It's it, it's a different name. Um, but both <laughs> of both of them have losing records, and um, you know Carlos Carrasco is three point one two ERA. We're gonna just call our friend that we don't know how to say his last name, Aaron. He has a three point eight eight ERA. These guys are both have shown that they're they're hittable. 
guys that can lose. So, I mean, coming up against a hot Chicago team, and I'm going to call them hot because we scored 12 runs yesterday against the Milwaukee Brewers. They're still the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, I mean, we still lost to them this season. They're still a tough team. They didn't roll over and let us score 12 runs. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say that this offense heated up a little bit this weekend. And, and hopefully going into this short series with the Indians, they decide to keep it that way. And, you know, we we put a couple of wins under our belt. John Lester, I'm very excited to see him pitch again. He had a great outing this weekend. I was very happy with what we saw from him. It was um, definitely... Definitely not, you obviously want to see him win, but you know, it was still a quality outing. He, he gave us some, some good, good, decent. What did he have? He pitched six innings. I don't have that in front of me at the moment, but that sounds about right. Six or seven. I mean, I I just remember being infuriated that he didn't get the win. (laughs) Oh yes. Yes, definitely. And, and, but you feel good about that because he, you know, he, he definitely had some moments of struggle in his previous start and was very vocal about it and knew that it was something that he definitely needed to improve upon. And I feel like while he didn't get this, the win, he still was definitely an improvement. So it's always good to see that. So we definitely want to see a good outing from him. You Darvish, you look to bounce back after giving up what he did in his last start. I just chuckle because I mean, it, it's the Reds. I would love to see you, Darvish, get um, have a no hitter this season. I don't, it, I don't see it happening. You, you never. I mean, if I were to see it happening at the beginning of the season, I would have picked you, Darvish, before Alec Mills. But if Alec Mills can do it <laughs> against the Milwaukee Brewers, you, Darvish, very well may be able to do it against the Cleveland Indians. You Whoa, never know. There, how Andy. crazy? How crazy would that be? Whoa. That would be crazy. I know. Well, let's just. Did you just like ask for two Cubs no hitters in a sixty games season? <laughs> okay, but before you ask that question, think about who we're talking about. We're talking about you, Darvish. I, I know. This stuff is nasty. Okay, I'll say let's <laughs> let's have it be no hitter like. How about that? Okay. Let's let's have a shutout at least. Let's go there. Well, I'll ask for a shutout. I just I would like to see his his discussion or his mention in. Cy Young candidates heat back up a little bit because I feel like after that last start it it really people were like oh there went the Cy Young I mean yeah I get it his ERA went up but it's still incredibly low he still has 72 strikeouts and he's seven and two like let's let's cut the dude some slack even if he's not a Cy Young candidate he is still definitely our ace and we need to just ride with him so very excited to see him go out and and have a great have a great start, a great long start, you know, it, it, at Wrigley. And I love watching him on the mound. It's been such a joy and such a pleasure this season. So, yeah, I'm going to cherish every one of his starts from here on, like, the next, what, 14 days, <laughs> 13 days. So, yeah, I, I'm excited about the series and, and, and what, what the Cubs can do and how they should be pulling out a series sweep with two wins. For the record, I think you, Darvish, is still squarely in the Cy Young conversation. I mean. All he, the only thing that happened to him against the Reds is that he gave up a three-run homer that he shouldn't have given up. For the rest of the game, he actually looked nasty and he looked totally fine. Uh, I actually think I was scrolling through Twitter while I was having some tech issues this morning trying to like figure out a couple of things. And Sahadev Sharma had tweeted out that he, along with um, the athletic writers who cover the Reds and the Mets, had put out a piece that compared 
the Cy Young candidacies of Trevor Bauer, Jacob deGrom, and Hugh Darvish. So I feel like he's still squarely in the mix there, but you're absolutely right that a couple of strong outings to finish the season would cement that. And it's such a short season that if he had one terrible outing, that could also pull him out of the conversation. So that's something to keep an eye on there. I, I always feel so great when you Darvish is on the mound. It doesn't matter who he's up against. Carlos Carrasco, bring it. Trevor Bauer, bring it. You Darvish is such a crafty, wily, pro- like professional pitcher. And I love watching him do his thing. I mean, the, it wasn't the last game that he started against the Reds and Trevor Bauer. It was the one right before that. But I was like literally counting how many different types of pitches each of them had thrown because they both have such deep arsenals. And it was fun to know that the two starting pitchers had thrown like 11 different types of pitches through five innings. John Lester, I have said it before. I will say it again. He's going to he's gonna struggle a bit. He's older. He doesn't have the stuff that he used to have. But he, nobody in the game is as gritty or grinds as hard as Lester. And when you have to win, that man will figure out ways to get it done. And I trust him late in September. I trust him in the postseason. I feel like he is going to cling to this opportunity to compete like nobody else. He also took a break from his like very long Twitter hiatus that he's been on most of the season to congratulate Alec Mills this morning, and it warmed my heart. I mean, he's John Lester, y'all. I mean, we cannot look beyond that. And just there are so many things and so many thoughts that run through my mind when I say that. And you think about all his seasons with the Chicago Cubs and what he's done and the adversity he's faced and, you know, what he's been able to accomplish. And, yeah, I mean, I don't ever, like, feel worried or nervous about a start of his. Now, obviously, when we get to the playoffs, that's a different animal. But, like, right now, you know, doing what he's doing, he's having a a pretty – decent season for what is rounding out to be the last year of his contract. And definitely we had thought at this point in time, it would be, it would look like this. And I think probably some people even thought it would look not even as good as this, if that makes sense. So yeah, I mean, he's going to go out there and he's going to give you a solid start as, as as good of a start as he can possibly give you. He's going to figure it out. And especially in a situation right now where his team needs him and needs him to pull through and, and, you know, not necessarily a long start, but a quality start. You know, I really think that that's the John Lester we're going to see from here on out. Because like you said, I mean, there's options. If we get a Quintana back and we get a Chatwood back, there's options for playoff pitching. So yeah, he definitely is going to battle to make sure he's able to help his team. You know that, I mean, that's just how he is. That's how he's always been. And, you know, he is, that's why he is the leader that he is on this team. Totally. Um, Speaking of some other leaders on the team who are definitely stepping up, I mean, we've already raved about Jason Hayward a ton here, but I do just want to point out that in the last two weeks, he is slashing 313, 439, 469 with a WRC plus of 142. That is vintage Jason Hayward, like Jason Hayward when he was an offensive phenom for the Braves or an offensive pain in our side for the Cardinals. And if that is the Jason Hayward that the Cubs are going to get going forward. And it really does look like he has worked out some of the mechanical issues that were plaguing his swing before that. Plus the defense, plus the leadership is just off the charts. Additionally, my guy, Wilson Contreras, he is slashing 362, 444, 489 with a WRC plus of 157 in the last two weeks. Welcome to September, Wilson Contreras. He's always been streaky. And if he's on a hot streak, watch out 
to opposing teams. The two other players that have WRC pluses over 100 right now are Jason Kipnis, who is really looking quite good at the plate, albeit in um, a limited number of appearances. He only has 27 plate appearances where he's slashing 333, 370, 583 with a WRC plus of 146. And Ian Happ has cooled off a bit, actually. He has, he is only slashing 231, 310, 462 in September. He really didn't look great against the Reds starting with the melee game and hasn't really totally gotten it together since then. But his WRC plus in the last two weeks is still over 100 at 104. So those are your hot Cubs hitters heading into this series at home against the Indians. I just want to point out that um, Ian Happ did a remarkable job hitting yesterday with the bases loaded. And the reason why I'm pointing that out is because it has not been happening this season. So thank you, Ian Happ, for that. Also, I want to say that I was a big advocate for Jason Kipnis being on this team and fitting in with this team. And oh, how right I was about that. I love that guy. He is awesome. He looks like such a fun teammate and he's been somebody that has produced when he's been given opportunities. You know, it just, you love seeing stories like that play out. And, you know, I'm not even going to say what he is. Everybody knows that he's a Chicago kid, (laughs) but you know, I just think that is so cool that he's able to come in and have a pretty good season with a team that he was kind of destined to play for, I guess you could say. Um, and, and he, you know, he's just, he looks like a fun guy and he gets along well with everybody. And I tell you what, (laughs) I chuckle about this, just thinking about what it looks like. If you have not seen the video of him dancing and then doing like the whale on the, on the, the bar, the dugout bar. uh, Oh my gosh. It is the funniest thing I have ever seen. And I cannot even remember where I saw it, but I showed my kids and my husband. And I tell you what, we laughed about this for a solid hour because it was just, he was really getting down like he was in the club or something. And of course it was to Anthony Rizzo's walk-up song. And then he like stopped for a second, the music stopped. And then all of a sudden he just did like this, like whale fish thing over the top <laughs> bar of the the dugout. And it was, just, oh my gosh, it was just, it was so great. But anyways, love Jason Kipnis. And I will end my portion of this by saying Jason Hayward is good enough to talk about again. Let's just go ahead and do that. That man I cannot wait to watch him this series, the rest of the season. I love his leadership. He is an offensive power now, if you will, in that lineup. And, you know, he's been so much fun to watch as well. And I just, I just hope that his success continues. He deserves it. He is somebody that has worked really hard and pushed through. And you love watching him have this success because, you know, it, we knew that he was a good guy all along, that he was a good Chicago Cub player on the field, off the field. But it's so remarkable to see somebody like that be successful in an area that you knew they're struggling and you knew they hate you knew that he hated that. So it's so wonderful to see him be successful. And I cannot wait to watch the rest of his season. Um, on the Indian side of things, we'll be keeping an eye on Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor and Fran Mil Reyes who have all been hot at the plate over the last two weeks. Ramirez is slashing 316, 409, 658 with a WRC plus of 181. He has four home runs in the last two weeks. He's always a dangerous hitter, but that is wow. Francisco Lindor is slashing 306, 364, 469 with a WRC plus of 122. And Reyes is slashing 298, 370, 468 with a WRC plus of 124. 
That is the bad news. The good news is they are the only three players with a WRC plus over 75. It looks like everybody else who is getting regular at bats for the Indians is struggling. So I hope that the Cubs pitchers have some strategies for pitching around that dangerous heart of the order. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I mean, definitely like kind of how we we didn't have to pitch around very many people because people like Christian Yelich were zero for ten for the series or whatever it was he was that he was. So you don't have to you didn't have to worry about that as much that 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 Brewer series like we talked about. So yeah, don't be shy about that. This is a series, and from here on out, I mean, we're looking at the end of the season. You you have to you have to do what works, and if that means putting somebody on to avoid a grand slam or a three run home run or a two run home run or whatever the situation may be. I think you should, you should go with the smart choice on this and not risk it. You know, there's just too much at stake. Each one of these games needs to be wins. However, you know, however we need to go about that, it needs to happen. So I, you know, don't be afraid to pitch around guys, especially if there's only three that are really big concerns in this lineup. Um, but then again, you don't want to deal with somebody like a Brad Miller from the, from the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, I mean, hopefully there's not one of those in this lineup. So, yeah, I mean, I think the strategy that, that they've been working with as far as, you know, how they're approaching some of the guys in, in lineups that seem to do well and have success over the, over the last few games, I think has worked out for them. And, and, you know, you can tell with a series win against Milwaukee, a no hitter yesterday. Just keep going with that. And I think we'll see great success, especially because we got Caratini calling the game again tomorrow with you Darvish pitching. I I'm actually looking forward to see how they handle these, the three hitters that you named Lindor is one that always worries me, but you know what, these guys, I, I feel like they're getting their groove, you know, and they're, they're really starting to, to, you know, put their thumb on, on what works for them. And I'm, I'm excited to see what that looks like against the, the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, I'm excited to see it, too. If the Cubs are able to contain Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, and Framiel Reyes, you will hear about it here on the next episode of Cup of Cubby Blue. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at BCB underscore Sarah. Andy is at BRYZ underscore Blue. We are both at Cup of Cubby Blue, where we are blasting out all of the content related to this and other episodes. And we are excited to see what happens as the Cardinals and Brewers face off for five games that may determine the fate of the NL Central standings and the Cubs take on the Cleveland Indians at Wrigley Field for two. Until next time.